Welcome to Board Gamers Anonymous, the podcast about board gamers and the insane fun we have at the table together. This is Chris. And this is Anthony. And this is episode 353, Holiday Gift Guide for 2021. We'd like to thank all our Patreon backers for helping us bring you a brand new episode, but especially our new Patreon backer, Philip Knight. Thanks so much, Philip. You rock. All right, everyone, we're back, and it is the holiday season. The season in which we buy all the games and pretend that we didn't spend all the monies on all the games and huddle around the games because that's basically all we have except for crippling credit card debt. (laughs) Well, that was fun, man. Way to start us off. (laughs) Well, look, games have gotten expensive if you haven't noticed. That's all I'm saying. (laughs) There, is the season that, to be depressed? La, 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 la. <laughs> My games. But if are you're going to be look, if you're going to be depressed, at least you should have a really cool board game by your side to get you through the the holiday blahs, nonetheless. But yes, this is the super hot, super rare board gamers anonymous holiday gift guide for 2021. We have searched through all of the naughty and nice lists and come up with a list of games that we think that you will enjoy and look should look forward to purchasing for the holiday season. Obviously, Anthony, we're always very much aware of the expense, so we're not going to throw anything crazy on here, although we might at the end, just in case. <laughs> uh, you didn't tell me to keep it cheap, man, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so we got a great list for you, and that's going to be our feature review. So that's going to be the big 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 holiday guide so stick with us for us that but anthony before we get into that there's been a little bit of things going out on the board game scene so speaking of big big things there's a big big thing coming out and it's yeah, kind we, of kind of undead right huh? yeah a little bit. super 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 not alive um <laughs> so <laughs> yeah you if you if you pay attention to the board game sphere at all you've seen this uh the zombie side Marvel, they're calling it Marvel mm-hmm. Zombies, but it's just zombie side Marvel. Uh, <laughs> little bits have been flowing out into the ether. The first thing that came up on the net that I saw personally was the Galactus that's the size of that giant Cthulhu baby. Yeah. And uh, that thing's huge. It's going to cost a couple hundred dollars, but it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's very tempting. And then you sent over to me today a video that had a little bit more about the actual, like the cover and some of the the characters and how it actually plays. Um, And and it's not your typical zombie side because now you're playing as the zombies. Sure. Is twist. I was was wondering (laughs) when they would get around to that because zombie side seemed like they were eventually going to do that twist. And yeah, they did it. And you get to play as one of the Marvel heroes that is undead. So I think there's like Captain America, the Hulk. I think Miss Marvel is one of them. I can't think Iron Man. I think I think Iron Man's one of them as well, from what I remember. And then you're facing down Shield, and you're facing down a bunch of other Marvel heroes, including Spider Man. So that's the thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, so my initial response to this was. <laughs> <sighs> You know, like it's just capitalism. It's just you should put a giant stamp on the cover. It says capitalism. This is why we did it. Because um, money. <laughs> money, yeah. Is there anything unique or different or creative in here? No, but money. Like, okay, well, what? that's fair. Money. Have you um, have you met money, Anthony? Yeah. And like I already know how expensive the zombie side games are, and then you slap the Marvel license on that. This is gonna be really expensive. It's gonna be yeah. so expensive. 
but people are going to buy it and I'm going to be tempted to buy it anyways. Cause I'm like little Marvel zombie miniatures. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. These, this is definitely not your chibi miniatures from all of the United games. So it's going to be interesting to see Anthony. We might have to do an intervention. We might have to do a, uh, please, please, dear God, stop me from backing Marvel zombies for you. I yeah. think that, that certainly must be a thing. Do we need to bring in a third party, though? Because it's Marvel, right? But then True. it's like the zombie Marvel. So it's like both of us are like, I don't know. It's pretty good. I don't know. It's a thing. Yeah, I've never picked up any of the Zombicide games. I've never really, just never really hit me for whatever reason. I really love the all the different legally distinct characters that they have mm. in those Zombicide games, it's so much fun to like watch and read through the Kickstarters, and you're almost tempted. You're like, I really like those cool characters, but I, it's it's Zombicide. So, but it, yeah, I have the Black Plague a- stuff, and it's like like my little four Monty Python guys are on my shelf. Like, I don't play that fantastic. game, but I took out the Monty Python guys. I'm like, yeah, this is fun. And the little rabbit, yeah, that's fantastic. <laughs> yeah, that's like you said, that for me was like worth the price of admission, but they just keep ramping up with the price and it's just, it becomes just crazy. So this is going to be interesting to see. And the Galactus figure. Now, again, this all comes from the, what if comic book universe, maybe you've seen the Disney, what if episode, but actually there's a whole comic book series with this and Galactus isn't, you know, a part of this and Galactus also becomes a zombie, or I guess can become a zombie because they have two heads, it looks like, right? Or at least yeah. two faces or something for Galactus there. So I don't know how Galactus gets infected, but I actually do know, but I want to spoil it. But in the game, <laughs> I don't know how that happens. But yeah, this is a thing that's happening. So hold on, because you will see all the monies in the world kind of leak over to this, because I think it's that weird, strange crossover between, like you said, Anthony, Marvel and zombies. So it might be like it might be like the other Marvel United games where they just pull out like three hundred different random characters. Like, hey, here's Moon Knight, you know, like just because why not? Here's Moon Knight yeah. in here, right? Like, and you're just like, damn it. <laughs> yeah. And what they'll do, and you know this is what they'll do, because this is what they do, is you'll have zombie version, and then as a stretch goal, eventually you'll get non-zombie version. Yeah. So you can choose whether to play as the zombie, which is, I guess is the hero in this case, or yeah, yeah. fight against the hero. And it's so there's going to be so much stuff <laughs> packed in here. I We shouldn't take a bet now. What do you, how much do you think? What is the over under on the all in cost of this? So the all in would be the, the full pledge plus all the add ons, which would include Galactus. What are we looking at here? I'm going to say 450. I'm going to say 550. Oh, okay. I was right. I was thinking up around six hundred because we've seen a few Kickstarters in the last six months hit hit the seven hundred mark. I, sure, I think Simon like with this they might be able to pull that off. I don't think they should, but I think they will. <laughs> they they never ask if they should do a thing; they just do a thing. They're like, you know, what? this will make all the money. Like, oh, it's going to crush like a whole bunch of countries' GDP, but who cares? Yeah. Money, <laughs> <laughs> plastic. It's super good for the environment. Plastic. I mean, I can't. I, I'm surrounded by plastic, but that Galactus, man, it's so big. <laughs> I, w- I honestly wonder if it's go- what, you know, how high in comparison to the Cthulhu, because that's. I don't know. I'm yeah. looking at a picture of it now, and it looks like it's, I don't know, from like here to the top of my head. So, wow. okay. is that like two and a half, three feet? And then, the, you know, it's going to be like 
cross-platform, possibly playable with the other Zombicides too. Oh, it better be. Yeah. So <laughs> all those other wacky characters get to, get to play. Uh, this is going to yeah. be painful. Yeah. Yep. I'm not back in this, but I, I will. I will. Uh, I will say novena for you uh, at the very least, because yeah, this is going to be all the monies. May, again, like you said, it may be six fifty, <laughs> right? It it could certainly be that much because they might release like endless numbers of expansions. I so. honestly think if they're going to do it, if they're going to go crazy big numbers, this is the time to do it. Um, it's the most cynical cash grab, least interesting thing they've done in a while, but that doesn't matter because it's Marvel and it's Zombicide. So it's their biggest yeah. IP plus the world's biggest IP smashed together. And it's like, yeah, what Ugh. monies? <laughs> uh. <laughs> Gross, but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, everyone stay tuned to that because that's, that's going to be a little crazy and, and uh, yeah, that's a thing. So Anthony, again, we wanted to talk a little bit about uh, something that we're really excited about, which is PAX Unplugged for 2021. Turns out there's a convention that's still left standing. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're actually going to go to this thing. So that's weird, right? <laughs> I haven't been to PAX in three years. I haven't been to any convention in two and a half. And then PAX is the last one you went to at all, right? So it was. I was. We don't remember PAX. how to do this. No, not even a little bit. Yeah, and you I think that's a joke, what... but before we started recording today, we were literally like, "How do we do this?" <laughs> I don't remember. So, if you're a publisher out there or a designer, and you're listening, remember we forgot how to do this. So <laughs> please find us because we're probably going to be wandering around in circles or be like. Just like walk up to people and then get afraid and walk away and then walk up and then get afraid and walk away. But like, I don't know if I should be engaging with people at this point or I, I don't I don't know what we're supposed to be so doing. Do here. we play the games? What What is the deal here? What is this? Why are we here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's weird. I, I don't I don't know why we would do that. It just doesn't make any <laughs> sense. Why would you play the games? Don't you? just admire the games from a distance like in a glass case with like plastic gloves and like yeah little yeah. opera glass <laughs> that's right bravo well done well done i love that i love what you did there excellent i wonder how it plays i don't know how to plays but i wonder how it plays so yeah so that should be interesting uh pax unplugged especially is well known for its first look first play kind of section and <laughs> honestly that's worth the price of admission because Typically, a good number, a really good number of the games that either have just been released or going to be released, or sometimes even Kickstarters, are there and available to play. And what they do is they get a team of volunteers together to actually teach those games. And I think, I, I mean, I think the first packs unplugged, I loved it so much that I, I actually wrote a whole email to them just thanking them because I think that led to their convention being just superior in every way because yeah. again you know you can go to other conventions and like they have a game library and that's great but you're still getting stuck playing the games that you know how to play you want to play something new and right. if it's and again that was kind of funny because i think that was the opposite anthony at least the first year we went to pax where it was like asmoday had what was it civilization and they're yeah. like cool <laughs> It's good that you guys are here from the media. Let's show you the game. Here's one turn. And we're like, all right, cool. And then they're like, pick your thing. Okay, I'm going to go there. And like, all right, move your thing. Do done. I'm like, what do you mean done? Like, I don't, <laughs> that's not a game. That's, that's, yeah. that's moving one piece from here to here. Like, I don't No, They're like, that's our demo. And I'm like, it didn't know. That didn't show me anything. What do you know? I, I don't want to be, no, it was bad. So yeah. 
getting to play games is actually fun, interesting, yeah. and reviewable? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's pretty good. I think it's insane that Gen Con hasn't stolen this idea yet because all the new games come out there here in the U.S., and yet there's no way to play them unless you can somehow magically fight your way through the line to buy one. Or what about Origins? Like, their, their Origins is like the convention from Gamma, the, the game association. Like, if anyone should be running free playthroughs would be Gamma, and they don't do that. Like, it's it's criminal what they do. It's just, it's really sad, because it's like, and they do an award ceremony, and they have like a couple of games like thrown out on tables. Like, you could play these. It's like, there's like three pieces left in a thimble for some reason <laughs> in that box. I'm going to play this? I'm like, are you kidding me? Come on. Yeah. So, X. I always said it was the best convention, so much so that I moved to Philadelphia. So, whoa, take that, Gen Con. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna get PAX tattoos after the convention. We've already, yeah. we've already discussed it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm very excited because, yeah, I, I did move here six months ago. The convention center is four miles from my house. It's a 15 minute drive. So, very excited to be able to hop down there and not have to buy a ho- pay for a hotel room. That's cool. <laughs> <laughs> So we'll have more details as that comes up and we'll be giving you a full kind of like preview, review, um, live at the scene. We'll, we'll see how if we remember how to do those things. Remember we used to do like mm-hmm. live video, Anthony, at the conventions and we used mm-hmm. to tweet live and we used to take send out pictures live. Like, remember we used to do things? Remember conventions? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I don't remember any of that. I don't know. We'll have my computer because we can come to my house. We can record right here. <laughs> So if you're going to be at the convention, hit us up. Let us know. We'd love to see you. Love to get a game with you at the table. And again, if you're just randomly looking for us, probably look at the first look, first play section because that's probably where we're going to be. And I think we'll be wearing these outfits more or less, right? Little little BGA stuff. So if you see BGA, um, sit down, introduce yourself, and uh, remind us that conventions are cool again because we forgot. <laughs> it's been so long. It's going to feel weird and dreamlike. Like, am I really here? I know. It really is. And I'm really excited because PAX does an exceptional job each and every year. So uh, I think that they're going to do that again. And again, Philly is an amazing city. If you haven't been to Philadelphia, I mean, you, you got to go. I mean, it, it's it's big enough that there is so much to see that you're never going to run out of things, but it's small enough that you never feel overwhelmed. Like you can actually find your way around. It's not like Manhattan where it's just like, Oh, everything's huge here. Everything's super fast. So it's a good mix. And I'm not going to say what other conventions, but like when you leave the convention center here, things are still open and things are easily accessible (laughs) I'm just saying, it's really a good thing. Like, you can get food, like, everywhere. And you can go do things all the time. And the hotels are across the street. I mean, all the hotels. All of the people. Come to PAX Unplugged. Uh, again, not a plug for PAX Unplugged. We're not getting paid by PAX Unplugged. But it's a really good convention. really like it. Yep. All right. So that's everything that's going on with us. Anthony, now on to our feature review. So our feature review this week is again one of our favorite feature reviews because again it's talking about our favorite games that are coming out this holiday season and we would love to inform you what is the latest and greatest that you should be looking to pick up for the holiday season obviously the games have become really crazy kind of expensive and sometimes even hard to find due to the crazy supply chain problems out there which seems weird right like i think like most board gamers especially euro board gamers know how to operate 
a supply chain like really really well even though that's not right. their thing right like well it's like it's they gotta call field. us <laughs> yeah why aren't, why aren't they calling us like come on it's like we have a supply chain problem done i'm in there we have these uh <laughs> shipping containers we can't get through panamax we're done like whatever whatever you got we got it just send yeah, a team yeah. of professionals in there <laughs> we just we don't even want to be paid we just want victory points for getting the you know the the, the ships through so yeah but we do have our 2021 list. We break it down in a number of different categories that we think would be super helpful for you as far as picking out the best games for the holiday season. And obviously, Black Friday is upon us. So we'll try to get this episode out a little bit earlier so that it doesn't hit on Black Friday. Because I think it might be a little too late at this point. But I know uh, most of the major board gaming online companies, so your Miniature Market, your Cool Stuff Inc., your Game Nerds, and several others that are out there are already having some of their specials out there or their upcoming specials. So, Anthony, let's talk about some of those games. So what's our first category? First up, we have kind of the, the self-gifting because I've never Ooh. gifted anybody an app. But board game apps, <laughs> right? Um, sure. I, th- I think we're past the time where we say this is the year of the board game app. They're just all the big games get apps now. All of them. If Think of a big game that sold more than 10,000 copies. It's getting an app. It's true. It's, it's going to happen. Like things pop up now that I didn't even realize were coming out. And I'm like, oh, cool. So, uh, so yeah, I played a lot of good apps this year. And I think all four of these are fantastic. The two that I chose that I wanted to share were Brass Birmingham, which mm-hmm. is available, I believe, on, I know it's on Steam because where I have it. And then I believe on iOS. And sure. it is a very solid, very accessible implementation of one of the best of Martin Wallace's games. Um, mm-hmm. and the superior Absolutely. version of Brass. So it, it does a good job of capturing the artwork without making it too dark on the screen, which is what I would worry about with that particular... Like, it, things pop enough that you can see where everything's supposed to go. The multiplayer sure. works well. They've implemented a lot of fixes and updates since then. So uh, Brass is a fantastic game in general, but being able to just knock out a quick game against the AI, it, it's just... Some games work that way, and they're fun, and mm-hmm. some of them are not as fun. This one is one of those ones where I'm happy to just sit down and play for 15 minutes and kind of play with different routes. And yeah, so it's a it's a regular mainstay on my um, on my computer now. Um, the other one we talked about just a few weeks ago is Concordia, which sure. is also available on Steam and iOS. And this is just a fantastic implementation of one of the all time great games. It's honestly surprising it took this long to get a digital implementation because it's fairly yeah. simple, right? Basic map, basic cards place a thing, move around, but it does a really good job of zooming in and zooming out to where you need to be, capturing all the information, you know where everything is and where it needs to be um, based on what your opponents are doing, and it plays really quickly. It doesn't have too many animations, like enough to be interesting, but not so many to really slow it down because there are a lot of different pieces to each move. So both good Euro games if you want something meatier on your device. Yeah, both are great. Both high recommendations for me as well. The you could play Concordia on an iOS or obviously up on Steam. So really good opportunities. And again, Concordia is one of those games that's it's not as fast as Ticket to Ride, but it could almost be once you kind of get in the zone because the AI is pretty fast with that. And you know what routes you're taking, you know what resources you have. So pretty cool. I want to give an honorable mention because I have not played it yet, but Gloomhaven is on mm. Steam. And one of the things that really just honestly 
you know, bugged the heck out of me about Gloomhaven was the fact of like the setup and breakdown and obviously the endless numbers of missions. But having it digitized, having it on Steam, I haven't played it, so I can't recommend it, but I recommend you look at it because it looks pretty good. And I think that might allow a lot of us, like me included, to actually finish Gloomhaven because, <laughs> again, it's just, it's a lot. So, yeah, that's great. I want to go back to a little bit of an older game. Not that old, but again, something that still stands up to this day, and that's Wingspan. Wingspan is still a phenomenal version on Steam. I think it's one of the best, if not the best, board games I've ever seen online, just because it allows you to play the the normal Euro kind of version of it, and then it lets you, in the game, switch on and off between that and the animation kind of style that comes along with the bird songs and the music and the background and the online play and the AI is pretty tough. I mean, it's 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 unnecessarily an exceptional app, and it's it's reasonably priced too. And then finally, uh, the Fox in the Fars. We talked about this recently. I know it's a favorite game of Anthony's. I have it on the iOS. It's a little small on your phone. I wouldn't recommend on the phone, but on Steam, it's it's quite good. And the AI is kind of fun on the play as well. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Those are both good games. A um, little more family-oriented, a mm-hmm. little lighter, a little quicker than yeah. uh, the heavier stuff I picked out. But mm-hmm. Fox in the Forest especially, just so good. I wouldn't think for something so simple and small box that they would just such a beautiful implementation, but that's great. Yeah, and it, it, again, they could have just leaned on just the cards, but they give a lot of really nice animations, and it just plays really well. All right, Anthony, what's up next? Next category, we got family games. So we each have one each here. and We do. There are just a ton. I actually have a review coming up next week that not quite ready this week of of another family game that seems like it will be solidly up everybody's alley. Um, But just a teaser for next week. (gasps) You need a late gift after the gift guide. (laughs) Um, But the game I want to talk about this week, you should absolutely check out as well. It's Overboss from um, Brotherwise Games. This is a boss monster adventure. So Brotherwise, known for boss monster, among other games, just a quick little card game of a hero running through a 8-bit video game dungeon. Overboss is you are that boss, and you're building the overmap that the hero has to run through to find that dungeon. Mm-hmm. And so it is a quick tile laying game. Uh, you're gonna everybody takes turns taking tiles, placing them in your tableau, at, along with monsters and enemies and treasures that will go on those tiles and you're trying to create different combinations of tiles it'll determine your scoring along with the little pieces that you put on there Um, there's i think twice as many tile types in the box than you need to play the game so lots of variability there are advanced rules there are beginner rules there's a solo mode Uh, my kids absolutely love this game like they are video game nerds but it's it's very accessible. It's very easy to play. I think the box is eight and up. My daughter is six, and she adores this and has no problem with it whatsoever. So um, if you have a video gaming family that can appreciate kind of the jokes that come with running across the this overmap, um, they're going to love this. It's Overboss. Excellent. Yeah, I remember playing Boss Monster. I haven't gotten to this, but I actually want to play it myself. So a game that, I mean, I'm a big fan of, and you know this if you've ever listened to the podcast even once, is Seven Wonders. Love Seven Wonders, love all the iterations, love all the expansions, love the second edition, which I never thought I would, but I really do. 
actually love it more than the first edition. Don't tell the first edition. I own all the <laughs> stuff for that. But Seven Wonders Architects came out recently, and this is a family version of Seven Wonders by Anton Bauza. And in fact, Board Game Geek itself rates it at a 1.6 weight. So this is a game you can play with family, you can play with kids, and it allows you to play a lighter, funner, more, how would you say, colorful kind of version of Seven Wonders without the downtime that comes along with Seven Wonders. They're very quick actions. It allows you to build up the wonders, which is really fun, especially for the kids. And again, this is a quick playing game. You're talking about 20 minutes and you can knock this game out. So very light game, very fun game. Think of a think of a game that's maybe a little more strategic than like Sushi Go. And you got Seven Wonders Architects. So um, absolutely something to check out for the family, you know, and a very good gateway game to get people into the hobby. Fantastic. Yeah, I need to try this new version. See if the see if it's good for the kids. <laughs> yeah, I'll bring it over. All right, Anthony, All right. what's up next? Next category, we've got solo. So solo. In in a year of <laughs> an, yet another COVID year, uh, obviously solo oh, no. games have been a big part of our lives. <laughs> yeah. Um and and so for me, ironically, I'm picking a game that's a lot like Boss Monster and could probably have gone in my family category. But I put it here because I've played this almost exclusively solo. And mm -hmm. I did play it with the family. They did like it. But it has a little bit more of a learning curve for the scoring mechanisms, which makes it perfect as a puzzle game for solo. And that's Cascadia. Mm -hmm. So I reviewed this a few weeks ago, and I loved it. It was a buy. Absolutely check it out. But it's similar mechanic to Boss Monster in that you're going to have tiles out along with animals that go with those tiles. You draft in a tile and an animal and you place it in your tableau and then you try to match them up and, and complete these different scoring objectives. The scoring objectives, however, are a little more complicated. So there's going to be five of them, one for each different type of animal. There are multiple different animal types in the box, so they can be different in different combos, which is great. Love that. And th so they can be things like, okay, this can only have this type of animal next to it. And this one has to be in this particular pattern. And this one needs to be, you know, Every other one, you can't have a bear next to another bear, but sometimes the bears need to be next to each other. Like, you have to keep all these things in your head. And so when I reviewed it, I compared it to, like, Sprawlopolis, but with animals and hexes. Mm -hmm. And that is what it feels like. And Sprawlopolis is one of my favorite solo games of all time because it's so quick and easy to play. And this is like that, but 30 minutes instead of 10. So there's more to it, right? I've played Overboss solo. It's fine. This is great. This is like Sprawlopolis plus that. And... um. Yeah, it's, it's been one of my favorite games of the year so far, especially for solo play. So if you're a big solo gamer, if you like puzzle stuff, if you like beautiful illustrations of animals by Beth Sobel, check out Cascadia. It's relatively inexpensive, too, because uh, there's not a ton of stuff in the box. And it is not out of print like a lot of games um, <laughs> that are hot right now because of various shipping issues. So uh, check it out. Yeah, especially for Beth Sobel's artwork. Just mm -hmm. fantastic, beautiful. as always. So let's talk about a very small game. When I play solo games, unlike Anthony, I like to play solo games very quickly. So I want to talk about Orchard, a nine-card solitaire game. This was a winner of the print and play, but now it's actually out in print. So you could pick a copy of this out. It's a nine-card solitaire game, and basically what you're doing is you're gathering together an orchard um, using like a tile laying mechanic, but they're not tiles, they're cards, but they're double-sided cards. And as you match up the different colored 
fruit on the different you know trees here in the orchard as you like overlay them on top of each other you're able to place one of these different colored dye on that particular card because you've produced fruit there the more times that you overlay the cards to increase your orchard with the same color um i guess fruit in there or a same color plant in there one of the three different um colors there then you'll be able to upgrade your dye and then eventually it becomes full and then by the end of the game you'll be able to score points based upon the dice that are all over your orchard they can also be spoiled fruit but you know that's a bit a little bit of a downside there nonetheless you score points you see how you did in comparison to the game's you know rules and it gives you a bunch of different fruit puns in there it's just a quick fun game and it's a small tiny box with a really nice number of like customized dice that you can play with and you know that's pretty much it orchard cheap game fun game quick game orchard's fantastic yeah, yeah. the 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 sequel is just up on kickstarter which i backed because uh i think all it adds is i forgot what it adds. like what does it add the answer the i don't know there was like one new mechanic they threw in there just <laughs> yeah. like apple orchards um but such a fun little quick game yeah good call thanks all right. Uh, next up, we have two-player games. So two-player only games that you just play with two people. Lots of these games play with two. But specifically, what game would you just play with two people? Uh, so the one I picked is Botanic. This mm. is a two-player only game from Space Cowboys. Um, and one of the people on the design team, Sebastian Pauchon, worked on... Well, he was the sole designer of Jaipur, which is one of the best two-player games in my collection as well. So... Like, that's right up there for me with Seven Wonders Duel uh, in terms of games that get to the table for two players. So that's why I was all about Botanic when it came out. The artwork for this game is just insane. Like, just look at the covers. Like, this woman with four arms planting things inside of machines. It's it's weird. But the gameplay, and that's not bad. I like the artwork. It's just, it's weird. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, come at it as you will. Some people might find it too weird. Um, but the gameplay is, again, like this tiling thing where you have like a special kind of drafting mechanism in the middle of the board where you you're kind of moving things back and forth between you and your opponent and drafting tiles accordingly based on what you flip over and then building into your own personal tableau which looks a lot like pipeline if you've played that mm -hmm. where everything has to connect and the different types of machines that connect will determine how you score so you're trying to connect these different things they have different icons on them and it becomes kind of a little bit of a brain burning puzzle at times but it's not crazy heavy. You're just taking a tile. Often you only have one or two options available. You're placing it in your tableau and you're trying to get the most points. So it's quick. It's 20 minutes. It's thinky and puzzly, which I love. And it's very clever and creative design. Like this is, I want them to make more of these types of games because it's just, it's out there. It's different. So definitely check that out if you like just quick, weird little two-player games. Botanic. <laughs> Yeah, no, the artwork is very unique. It's very different. It's very surreal, kind of French surrealism kind of there. But uh, yeah, no, fantastic. Uh, for me, as far as a two-player game and only a two-player game, I'm looking at Summoner Wars 2nd Edition Master Set. Summoner Wars is a game that we reviewed so many years ago. And recently, I think we reviewed it. I think I reviewed it, actually, in fact, or previewed it. And again, it was the idea that they took Summoner Wars that was a game that was just a phenomenon, like the idea of having these cards act as miniatures that, you know, usually you would have to get like this really kind of extensive rule set to it and you would have like this big board and how everything moves. 
but by placing the cards like like tiles down on the board it gave you all the explanation of the character that was in play it gave you the hit points the attacks the special abilities and there was all of these different factions that were in play it was a really a great game except the artwork kind of bugged me like i get the artwork <laughs> i bought the game i own the game i own yeah, the game yeah. and owned several of the expansions but the artwork never really gelled with me for whatever reason second edition new artwork but also they did upgrade the rule book which was not the best and they did fix a lot of the cards and a lot of the factions and they made things make a little more sense so instead of walls that kind of like you can populate characters from there's now portals which makes a lot more thematic mm. sense to it and it's actually a really solid super deluxe fancy kind of version to it in fact i'm not sure what to do with my original set i'm like should i get rid of this and get the new set or get the expansions <laughs> at like super discount like they're throwing them out the door now at this point i'm like i don't know but again if you've never played summoner wars this is really a great place to start. The second edition master set comes with a number of different factions to play, and you won't be disappointed. It's really, really a great two-player game. That's fantastic. Yeah, Summoner Wars was one of my favorite games, period. And then for whatever reason, it just kind of dropped off. I think they yeah. stopped supporting it. We stopped playing it. But, <laughs> yeah. man, I love that game. We used to play it every Sunday. We did. Every Sunday that and, thing would come out. And there was that four-player variant where you put, like, two two boards next to each other and you had allies in that that was fun too yeah and it was really long but it was still it fun was. it was <laughs> all right uh, next up on the list we have light games so mm -hmm. um i cheated a little bit because i'm just you know spill this yard why not just take that game and give that to you <laughs> jeez uh it's a micro macro crime city uh, and this game is so it's it's where's waldo but with storytelling and yes I did have a chance to play this at my friend Ryan's house um, like a month or two before I left Pittsburgh. So mm -hmm. uh, friend Michael, who's been on the show before, he got a copy. He brought it over. We went through the first four or five cases. And so it's it's really, it's weird. It's I don't even know if I'd call it a game. It's more of like a group activity, like game word experience. search type of thing. Yeah, like yeah. you can really only play it once and it's you're not destroying anything although honestly if i owned this game what i would probably do is play through it and then color it in because oh nice yeah you just have this giant map it's just a line drawing and there's tens of thousands of things happening on the map and you flip the cards over and they give you clues in a case that you're trying to solve there's 16 cases sure. in the box the map itself is 30 by 43 inches it is enormous like it takes mm -hmm. up the entire table um it's not really family friendly. That's why it's not in the family category. It's a shame because they, you know, it's it won the spiel this yard. It's kind of the family thing. But some of the cases in the box are really just not appropriate for my children, at least. I, I personally sure. wouldn't play it with them. They are coming out, I think, with a more family friendly version of this, um, which is great because it would be perfect <laughs> for the kids. Uh, yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, it's not it's not necessarily a family version of it, but it's a we give you like the age guidelines, right? Right. For the for the new version. So <laughs> there is like certain murders, certain infidelities and things that you may not want kids to kind of read through, but it's it's not exceptionally different. So right. and it's a standalone. So that that's pretty cool. No, absolutely. No, it's 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 great. I, I guess for maybe people who eyesight issues, but I think it again, like it's certainly one of those things like 
word slam where it doesn't matter how many people are at the table. It's like you just open the map up and like, let's all play a thing. And they're like, what is it? I'm like, it's this. And they're like, huh? So what are the rules? Like, don't worry about the rules. Just play the game. It's fine. It's good. What we ended up doing, because there was like six of us around it and we all kept like banging into each other was that's fantastic we just yeah. get the section of the map that we think we're working on because some of the cases yeah. kind of stay in one area some of them you're open all over the place and you take pictures with your phone and then you just zoom in and out on your phone oh, which is not as much fun smart. as leaning over the thing but then when somebody finds it they kind of point it around because yeah right. you're right it is hard to see and if anybody has any kind of eyesight issues at all um good luck <laughs> you need yeah, a magnifying so glass yeah, if you can find it, try Macro Macro Crime City Full House. That's the version yeah. that has the kind of like disclaimer about what this might work best for each other on, on those kind of things. But uh, either version's great. And again, it's, it's, like you said, it's a game experience. And I think it's a game experience that most people like. So awesome. All right. Well, I'm going a little bit, I guess I'm surprised Anthony didn't pick this because I know Micro Macro Crime City was a game that I talked about initially. Uh, the Crew mission deep sea <laughs> so this is uh i know one of anthony's all-time favorite games it's trick-taking but it's cooperative trick-taking and in this version instead of going to space you're going undersea obviously right deep sea and this version allows for a little more variety because basically what you're doing is you do have your missions but you do have these gold cards so based on the particular mission it tells you what number of points you need for this mission. And then you go through this deck of cards and you randomly put together the different goals. This is fun because like almost infinite replayability with the Mm -hmm. exception that every once in a while the goals don't match up and you have to kind of reset. But I honestly, even though I'm more of a, I'm tremendously more of a space fan than I am a deep sea fan. I like the artwork here better for some reason. It's, It's not as sparse. And yeah. I like that. I like the idea of that. I think. I think it does a lot. I. I would pick this version if I. If I did pick between the two. Yeah. Yeah. The artwork in here is beautiful. The tweaks that they made to the rule to the um, the mission yes. structure is great because you're not going to get stuck at that point, which is what happens to mm-hmm. everybody. You'd like mission twenty or so, and you just get stuck for a month or two. It's not fun <laughs> to get stuck, right? No. <laughs> Let's lose twelve times in a row. That's fun, uh, yeah. and nobody wants to skip ahead. So having the option to kind of like circumvent that or rethink it uh, and then like the way the cards are laid out. Yeah, this is fantastic. So good call. Mm -hmm. Nice. All right. Next up, we got medium games. So again, I feel like we always have to not disclaim this, but you know where we're coming from with what a light, medium and a heavy game are. Some people might consider our medium games heavier games. Then you shouldn't be listening to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um. I, I honestly think that mine is a medium game, though. It's it's called Mini Express. I reviewed it okay. back in the spring. Um, got a chance mm-hmm. to play it in Pittsburgh. Uh, we like all backed it on Kickstarter. It's from Mark Garretts, who has done uh, some other similar games, Mini Rails and Steamrollers. So this is a cube rail game. And so cube rail games are effectively, they're like the root building and network building of your traditional train games with some stock holding elements. But mm-hmm. it's, you know, 45 minutes, not 15 hours like an 18xx game, right? So it's accessible. It's relatively straightforward. Mini Express is fantastic because, I mean, I don't know that it does anything terribly different than a lot of these other games, but the way it all does it, it's all just very cleanly presented, right? You have a map. There's two maps that come in the box. There's going to be more coming in the future, but they've kind of delayed the next Kickstarter because of shipping costs. <laughs> what are you going to do? 
Um, yeah. But you put tiles on all the different cities and you, you know, you'll invest in different companies and then you'll build rails from those companies out to these different cities, pick up different goods. And you're trying to like manage these two different tracks, like the value of the company, but then also to score the points from that company, you need to be higher in like your influence for that. So you need to pick up a certain amount of goods to be able to actually score. So if you run mm. the brown track all the way up or the brown trains all the way up, but you don't actually have any wood influence, mm-hmm. you haven't built any wood up there, then you're not actually going to score that. Someone else might score that. So um, it's a really fun, like push and pull mechanic. It is a bit of a brain burner, but it only again, it only takes 45 minutes. So I think BGG listed as like a weight of a 2.5. I think that's probably accurate. I could probably play this with my son. I don't know how much he would enjoy it, but I don't think it's that complicated of a game. Um, and yeah, in terms of like the newer cube rail games, cause there's been a lot of them coming out lately. This is one of my favorites. So highly Excellent. recommended. Yeah. It's nice to, to find a train game with stocks that actually family can play. Yeah. So that's great. All right. Well, again, as you said, depending on, you know, your mileage may vary, uh, terraforming Mars Ares expedition. This is came out in 2021. This was the Kickstarter. Now it's in retail. In particular, what I'm talking about, because I, I did see it, it's available, the collector's edition, which honestly mm. just means that it has a dual layer board, so not everything goes flying again. Again, I don't know why that wasn't standard. I mean, right. geez, people, come on. You know, we tortured ourselves. But the collector's edition has a little bit of an upgrade there, and I think that's definitely worth your time and honestly worth a couple of bucks to kind of throw that in. This is a 2.9 as far as the weight's concerned and obviously lighter than Terraforming Mars with all of its endless expansions and everything else. So I do think this fits in a middleweight kind of game. This, honestly, and I know it's sacrilege, so maybe this is the last time you listen, but this is the <laughs> Terraforming Mars edition game that I prefer. All right, I'm not listening anymore. I'm out. Damn, I lost Matt. Anthony. He, was, he listens to every episode, and I lost yeah. Anthony. Every single uh, one. I'll still come record. I'm just not going to listen anymore. <laughs> there you go. I honestly, I mean, I, I just, I feel like the endless numbers of extensions and glut that's kind of bogged down Terraforming Mars really just took away a lot of the joy of the game for me. And Terraforming Mars Ares Expedition really kind of puts back the joy in it, to it. I mean, it is somewhat a different game. It is, you know, incorporating Race for the Galaxy, but it is... This is a medium weight game that is far faster, you know, far more streamlined and just a lot of fun. It, it just gets a lot of the terraforming Mars stuff correct. Now, one day, one day in the future, if Stronghold Games actually gives us like an essential edition where you can actually be able to play terraforming Mars in a normal amount of time with a normal number of people and things like that, then yes, I will come back. But for right now, terraforming Mars. Ares Expedition is my favorite Terraform Mars. I like it, but what you said is insane. So I, can't, I know I can't condone that statement as I, a representative uh... of this podcast, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but I do like the game and I own it and it's sitting over here. I wish I had the collector's edition though, because going back to those standard maps no, it's not good. is yeah. insane. You're right. I don't know why they did that, but what are you going to do? <laughs> The views expressed by Chris is not the views expressed by Board Gamers <laughs> Anonymous. Those are his alone. His crazy, crazy. No, I think I think most Terraforming Mars fans get it, right? Like, yeah. this is a game that you could put to the table 
and not eat up your entire night with end- endless expansions yeah. and like yeah, twists yeah. and turns and things like that. So yeah, it's it's one of my favorite games of all time. But there's nothing worse. And I'll say this: I love this game, and I'll always say yes if somebody wants to play it. But there is nothing worse than sitting down thinking, "Let's play Terraforming Mars." It'll take two to three hours, and having it take five. It is yes. terrible. And you're like, great. It's one in the morning. We're still playing this game that I've played 80 times. I don't want to be doing this anymore. <laughs> Just terraform the planet, Joe. Terraform the planet. Uh, I, I think more of the negotiation beforehand of trying to figure out which expansions to include. Right. Because, you know, that's always going to be a thing. It's like, but, but Prelude, right? Everyone's on Prelude. You're not on Dude, Prelude. Prelude. Yeah. Prelude. And then it's like, no, let's throw in all of the expansion. Like, no, you need to leave the house right now. I don't want you here anymore. Like, we can't do this. I just remember coming to visit you, and I can't remember who it was, but we were at the mall, and we sat down to play this, and whoever put the game out was like, no expansions. And I was like, what? I I cannot play this game with no expansions. Like, we got to have Prelude or something. And they're like, no expansions. I'm like, why did I agree to this? (laughs) You're not cool, man. All right. Oh man. So heavy games. Yes. Um, all right. So we each have two here because it's what we do here. We got mm-hmm. we got heavy games for you. Um, and so you mentioned that we had affordable, accessible games. These are not affordable, uh-huh. so I do apologize. Both of mine are over a hundred dollars, um, but they're very good. So you know, check mm-hmm. them out if you want a heavy game. First up is Coffee Traders. This was released by Capstone earlier in the year. And it is a big sprawling monstrosity of a game uh, by Rolf Siegel and Andre Spiel, um, who I believe designed Wildcatters before this, which was also a big sprawling mess of a game. And it's, I had a fantastic good time with this. So got a chance to play this a couple times in Pittsburgh, um, kind of played through it on my own. It does not play solo. It's three to five, really. Like it says two to five, but really it's three to five. But it just it does everything so interestingly. There's different types of pieces that go in different locations. The area control element of it, the different tracks you're trying to manage, so much stuff going on in this game. It all kind of feeds together somehow. Like when you first dump it all out, you're like, there are so many pieces in here. How can this not be a mess? And it, somehow it works. It's intuitive. The layout is intuitive and it, it's fun to play. So um, Coffee Traders, absolutely top recommendation if you love a big sprawling heavy Euro. The other sure. one that I backed on Kickstarter last year, but is also available now in retail is Oath. So mm. Oath is a game we never actually reviewed on the podcast because it's it's a special kind of game where you really need to sit down and play several in a row with the same group of people. Like you can't just sit down and play it once and then come back a few months later and play it with some other people and then call it a day. Like you need to work through it. It builds. It has like a campaign to it almost. There's a story sure. element. It's not just a war game. It's not just a Euro game. It's like a narrative based game in a weird way. Like it's really hard to describe this game. And I not, have not had a chance to do that properly, but what I have played of this game, what I have experienced of this is it's just brilliant. Right. And it, it takes what Cole kind of Cole Worley kind of introduced in um, John company and Pax Pamir and root mashes it all together and creates this very interesting spin on uh, this, this, I don't want to call it a war game because it's not really what it is, but like this asymmetrical one versus many kind of approach where people kind of shift sides back and forth and there's different, you know, elements you're trying to control. And there's a countdown in the game about when people can score and win the game. And you're constantly worried about what's happening and who's doing what so much, so much interaction throughout. Um, 
I really wish I could play this more <laughs> someday. Someone will get a good, good group together and we'll play it. But um, if you have the group, and again, you want four or five people to play this properly. If you have the group in the money, because it's expensive, <laughs> um, Oath is very good. Yeah, I think the heavier games, I do think they're, they they carry a heavier price tag. But I think both those games you mentioned are quite good and obviously worth the money. I think, like you mentioned, Coffee Traders, you're getting like a ridiculous number of pieces on there. And Oath is a long-term kind of legacy type of game that you can keep coming back to. So you do get your money's worth on those ends. Yep. So two games that are, are certainly heavy for different reasons. First up, Unfathomable. I talked about this recently. This was the re-implementation of Battlestar Galactica, the board game. This was the game that was all about, I guess at least initially, it's all about you all coming together to join forces on a mission in order to save everybody. So you are one of many passengers on the SS Atlantica. And it turns out kind of Cthulhu people are around and they're trying to sink the ship with the other deep ones that are kind of hanging around and trying to drown everybody. So you got a problem here, unless you're with the Cthulhu deep ones and the, all the ancient ones there. So the game itself is crunchy as heck because, again, you're all trying to save the ship because you don't want to let on that you're necessarily trying to sink the ship until the appropriate time. So there is that social deduction element that comes into play in the game. There is the Euro game kind of like, can you manage all the systems at the same time? There is the complex voting system that will give you some information, but not all the information. And there's just a sheer spectacle of it all. So Battlestar Galactica did a really good job of giving you that kind of intense fear and, you know, it's all doom and gloom kind of thing. And at the same time, you have to be able to do a job. So this is a big crunchy game. And again, if you can, if you don't have Battlestar Galactica, you can certainly pick this up. It ranges about 75 to 80 bucks, but it's definitely worth your time, whether you're a Cthulhu fan or not. Great game. Next is a game Anthony and I both love very much. It is the last game by a fantastic designer, Chad Jensen. This is Dominant Species Marine. We've talked about Dominant Species a lot because it's a fantastic Euro game that really pushes the limits of crunchiness. This is a 3.87 on Board Game Geek, and it deserves every little point on this. You have your own species that you are fostering throughout the way to claim dominance over the ocean this version of it is quicker easier and more dynamic because instead of placing all the pawns out on the board and then pulling them off at the appropriate time with dominant species the marine version actually lets you activate things as you go but it keeps you from you know once you go down you can't come back up on the board it also allows you more variability as far as the game is concerned because you're going to take your species and be able to take different traits that go along with those species. So you have a lot of different options with playing the game. New version, better version, greater version. Plays two to four players. I highly recommend playing at the highest player count. Uh, Dominant Species Marine. Again, even if you're not a heavy gamer, even if this game is taunting the heck out of you because it's just a little scary, a little more dynamic, Definitely check it out. I think you'll have a lot of fun. I have. I know, Anthony, you have too. Yeah, Dominant Species Marine was, like, I'd already pre-ordered it. I was super excited about it. But having played it, very, very pleasantly surprised how good it is. Because yes. you take an all-time 
great. And you're like, we're going to boil it down and make it more accessible. We're going to change this and streamline this. And you're like, well, that could maybe backfire. But it didn't. It works perfectly. And this is probably the game of the version of this game I will always play now, unless yes. I have a five hour block to play the full version. Definitely. All right. Uh, next up, we got expansion. So uh, for, for me, I want to talk about one that you and I both played. We reviewed back in August Grand Austria Hotel Let's Waltz. So uh-huh. th- this was on Kickstarter. We both got this in. And Grand Austria Hotel is one of those games that I love and I've had on my shelf for a while, but it doesn't really hold the same level as the other games by the same designers, right? Lorenzo Il Magnifico, some of the other games. But Let's Waltz adds five new modules to the game. So you have the Waltz board, like different things you can do when you fulfill different orders. You have variable play- starting like an auction to start, like you have in Lorenzo's expansion. You have these special celebrities who can come and give you special abilities during the game. Lots of different things and ways to mix up the game. And it adds a lot to a game that just didn't quite feel like it came together the way you wanted it to. It also has the official solo module in the box instead of having to print stuff out on BGG, which is fantastic because I had a lot of fun with the solo mode. So yeah, it takes a game that was like, a high play for me makes me much more likely to play it and uh, really upgraded and elevated what was a good game to a great game. No, it's fantastic to see. And again, it's, it's, you know, it needed more, right? This was the reason why I never purchased a game, even though I did like the game. It was just like, it needed more. It was on rails. There was, there was problems with the game. The, the employee deck was an issue and this just really opens the game up. It reminds me now having played, I guess it's Asian rail, railway, Railways, Railroads, right? The, the ultimate version of Russian Railroads where it's like, hey, you can score all the points now. Isn't that fantastic? And this allows you to do all the points unless you do different things. So it doesn't necessarily solve the problem, but it definitely makes things easier. All right, so I'm going to go the opposite here. So we talked about cheap. There is a solo expansion for free from CGE. <laughs> Lost Ruins of Arnak has an expansion, The Search for Professor Kulti. And basically, you can go on their website, download the free web app, or print and play, and get to play this solo version of an amazing game, Lost Ruins of Arnak. It's free. It's solo. You get to play the game, but you have to have the game, right? You have to have the base game. You can't just play it alone, right? So uh, I love this. This is awesome. Great job, CGE. Yeah. Yeah. This was on my, I almost put this down for solo and I saw you put it on expansion. I'm like, good call because it's free. So that's a great expansion. Uh, (laughs) I've played through this twice. I've had a blast with it. Like while I'm waiting for the big full box expansion, I'm like, yeah, let's play Mm -hmm. through Professor Katil again. This will be fun. Um, It's a blast. The solo game in this the solo version of this game already is very good, but giving kind of a narrative to it, even better. Excellent. All right, Anthony, we've done all the proper shopping, all the proper lists. Let's say by chance we go off the rails. What do you have for our last category if we had all the monies? I feel like I've spent the last six months talking about all the things I'm not going to buy because they're too expensive. So yes. <laughs> the big one, the one that drives me crazy that like kicked me off of my biggest collecting train was Stefan Feld's Marrakesh in oh. New York city, because to get the proper stuff with all the extra things, I would have needed to spend 400 something dollars for two games. 
I could not do that. Absolutely mm-hmm. could not do it. So I didn't do it. And now I no longer collect stuff on Phil Games. So thanks, Queen Games. Appreciate oh, it. Guys are terrible. But if I had all the monies, <laughs> I'd be all in on that. But I did I didn't four hundred dollars for no, that's not happening. Gotcha. Oh boy. Well, a game that I was really excited about is Stellaris Infinite Legacy. This came out by Academy Games and was a Forex game based on the PC game. And the idea of the game was you are going to be able to play a Forex game in two hours. So right there, amazing. Right there, Stellaris, the video game, amazing. Uh, Academy Games is amazing. The production here looks amazing. And it turned out that they did not have a rule book. They did not have any videos or any playthroughs or any reviews or even previews at that point. And if you wanted the game, I think it was like 250 plus shipping, but you had practically no information on the game, especially when the early bird came out early on. So if you wanted it, you needed to back it without <laughs> almost any information. And again, this looks like, like a fantastic game. You get to customize your empire. You get to play through it in a kind of a legacy format where you're building up to bigger and bigger goals throughout. And if new players want to jump in, they can still play the game, but they have different goals that they have to meet. So new players jumping in can get to play for fun. Players that play the game multiple times get to play for fun. So drop in, drop out is amazing. I just couldn't back this at like 250. I just couldn't do it. Because again, we knew nothing about the game plus shipping. It was going to be extraordinary, plus all the extra content that certainly you would want to buy along. So sadly enough, did not back this game, but I don't know. I just don't have all the monies. So that's that's what happens to all the monies. (laughs) More monies, please. More monies. Well, hopefully this list has been helpful for you. Hopefully on your holiday season, get these games, play these games, get these games to the table. And until next time, this is Chris. Hey, and this is Anthony. And we'll save you all a seat at the table. Take care, everyone. Bye.